0: What's up, guys? It's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. We hope you enjoyed listening to Break Stuff, The Story of Woodstock 99 on Luminary. Now, continuing with our 99 theme, I wanted to let you guys know we've got all new episodes of The Rewatchables 1999 starting back up right now. Since we've returned, we have rewatched Eyes Wide Shut and Election, and up next is Never Been Kissed and many more 1999 classics. So make sure to check out The Rewatchables 1999 on Luminary. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. It's the friends and family version of a podcast today because we are joined by Zach Barron. Hi, Zach. Hello. Zach is married to Amanda.
1: Yes. True. That's the disclosure. We are legally married, but that's not why you're here. Legally? I think more than just legally. (laughs) I don't know, but I wanted to get that on the record. (laughs) It is both a legal and a social contract that we've signed. That has basically been a barrier to Zach Barron being on Jam Session these last four uh, years.
2: four long years okay, not being invited on. Yeah. Despite being a loyal listener. It's not
0: quite four. I just want to throw that out there. Three
2: Three and and a a half. half.
0: Three three and like three
1: quarters.
2: Okay. Okay. Literally longer than I've been married to Amanda. Yes, that's that's true. Do you
1: know that because you're planning a special thing for our four-year anniversary? I just have a, a freakish like
0: calendar in my mind like yeah. back catalog of like when things happen it was in
1: january
0: yes right? it was it okay. was right after the super bowl right Did you talked about chris martin and bruno mars whatever
1: oh, anyway great. okay welcome zach yeah i listened
2: yeah. to that one actually as i have to all of them okay well, today's
1: your day you have because... finally done something worthy of being on jam session would you like to share i'm very
2: honored thank you
1: <laughs> would you like to share your most recent accomplishment
2: Really, that's for you to say, I'm just a guest here.
1: Okay, so Zach is this senior staff writer at GQ, and he writes a lot of cover stories, and you have possibly read some of them. This week, or this summer, he wrote one on Brad Pitt. (laughs) Zach Barron interviewed Brad Pitt, and as loyal Jam Session listeners will know, Brad Pitt is basically like our central core belief. If Jam Session is about anything, it is about Brad Pitt. I
0: think it's our most shared
1: passion. Yes. Other than real estate. Yeah. Brad Pitt and real estate, and those two go really well together. Right. So. Zach, you are here to talk about what it is like being in a room with Brad Pitt. Well, first of all, what color is his aura?
2: Um, God, what color is aura? Um, like a kind of tawny Mm. orange. So similar to the photos in GQ. Yeah, yeah. I think that that was a very that captured it. That's sort of the real life vibe.
0: Were you there for the photo shoots?
2: I I was. Is that um, common? No, it's not. So obviously, because
0: Brad Pitt's so hot that you wanted to go.
2: I do have a funny story about the photo shoot, actually. But, yes. I mean, I went because with Brad, you do things a little bit differently. Um, normally, when I with interview Brad, folks. Your close personal Yes, friend. with my close personal <laughs> friend, Brad Pitt. Um, normally, when you interview folks... You spend, probably, especially for a, a cover at GQ, you spend a bunch of time with them. Right. Um, like, what's an
0: average number of days? We do a lot of talk discussion of the mechanics of a celebrity yeah, profile. Yeah, I know.
2: Imagine if you had a source to speak to that. <laughs> you're <ever>. here. <laughs> That's
0: why it's— you're Check here. the attitude. Okay? <laughs> so, how long do you tend to spend with a subject when you're writing a profile?
2: Uh, it really it really varies. Um, like,
0: how long do you spend with Miley Cyrus.
2: With Miley, actually, Miley was very similar to Brad. It was a sort of a one-day thing. That was a Vanity Fair story. And that's Um, because they're
0: mega famous. They can only give you a day?
2: Yeah, and also sometimes it it has to do with when things come together. Things can happen last minute. Also, people like Brad, if we're being honest, about the kind of 2019 celebrity economy uh, are not giving as much time to folks like me as they used to. Was it hard to get him? Yes. Well, yes and no. I mean, so unlike most people, Brad Pitt doesn't have a publicist.
0: I was going to ask what his team is like, because I feel like when you're at that level, you don't really need one. Plus, and in the article, he's obviously shed a lot of his Hollywood baggage.
2: Yes. And he shows up like, so a lot of times uh, folks who do this, the team can can get pretty big. You know, mm-hmm. there can be a manager and a and a publicist or multiple publicists and personal assistants and... He when he shows up, he just shows up by himself with the with the notable exception of uh, security. Mm. He, there's two bodyguards that go pretty much everywhere with private.
0: Interesting, interesting. Does he converse with them a lot?
2: Um. So when I was at the photo shoot, I think this is like fair to relate. I got there, and it was a we shot in just outside of Pasadena mm-hmm. a private home. Cool. So,
1: But not Brad Pitt's private home. Not Just, Brad
2: Pitt's private home. Was it a
1: Neutra house or anything like that?
2: It was an architecturally significant home. <laughs> um, Figures. Of what kind, I probably and couldn't really say. And do you have
1: to—Brad Pitt agrees to do it in part because of the details of the photo shoot, like the fact that there is a architecturally significant home Yeah, in the I mix, mean, right? he's
2: very collaborative. He has taste. And part of, the, part of the way that you do these things sometimes is you kind of develop them collaboratively. You figure out something that— would work for GQ, but that he would also be interested in doing.
0: I love um, that you say he, his taste because notably his ex-wives have like immediately replaced the pillows after they're divorced because his taste may be aesthetically pleasing, but um, uncomfortable for lounging.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 uh, I think that he likes a, a kind of a uncomfortable couch. It <laughs> definitely seems like we have a lot of evidence for that.
1: Um. Okay. But so you get to the photo shoot. Yeah. to the
2: photo shoot. And so it's a, it's a close set. We're not in public. Just to get onto the grounds, obviously, I had to to know people there or whatever. But it was definitely true that within a few minutes, uh, one of his security guards contrived to come over and just introduce himself to me. F- very friendly. Like, How tall is he? He was uh, significantly taller than I am. Um,
0: How many so- pounds heavier?
2: And much heavy, like, like I would say, he was like six two, two ten, and like ex-military. So
0: he's like a tight end, type. and was
2: kind of like in. Well, more like maybe he assassinated somebody. Oh, once. cool! You know, like he's in, he's in the like Israeli Mossad. Yeah, yeah. I actually think like legit maybe he was in those sort of tan fatigues where if like it went down, he would have no trouble. So
1: he's not trying to blend in.
2: But he, you know, it, his his approach is very friendly. He's just like, oh hey man, and he he introduces himself. With the idea that you will then tell him who you are. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, my name is Zach. I'm the writer. I'm going I'm, to interview Brad. And he was like, cool. And the conversation just ended. Like, it was like a <laughs> uh, very friendly come on. So like, and the check. second he figured out who I was, he's like, all right, I know who that guy is. I can move on.
0: He sounds much more friendly than most security guards I've ever encountered.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that he, yeah, he had a lot of tact and cool. a lot of finesse. I think he's like pretty, pretty full time. That's gotcha. like, it's a lot of security guards in these situations sort of come on for a day or a week. Um, I think that these guys are pretty integrated into the into the program.
0: That's an interesting note to me because I think in, like, every Brad Pitt article and yours, he seems to have cultivated a sense of, like, individuality in the last 10 years that belies the fact that he's, like, always surrounded by two people.
2: Yeah, well, I, I think the two are related because if you, if you think about what he's been through as a celebrity— as a famous person.
0: As the hottest man living. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we'll also the <laughs> kind
2: of the the Jennifer Aniston stuff, the Angelina Jolie stuff. I mean, I, I think that that experiences he've had, he's had have been about as like white hot tabloid as you can get. And I think who he is now and how he carries himself in the world is very much a product of that. A, you're probably like less interested in the spotlight if it's burned burn you so sort of brightly over such a long period of time, and then B, you you need security.
1: Right. I spent a lot of time after Zach had this encounter with Brad Pitt being like, what do you think Brad Pitt does every day? Because he has to go everywhere with two security guards, and there's a, a thing in your piece, which you also relayed, that he doesn't like New York because he can't move around because it's just the paparazzi or too much. And you think about it in L.A., you don't really see him out and about in yeah. L.A., and I'm just like... Does Brad Pitt go outside?
2: I think it's a private homes situation. Because,
0: yeah, you can, like, cloister yourself behind hedges in yeah. beautiful, Neutra houses. Exactly. But
2: that's yeah. so wild
1: to me that you're the most famous movie star in the world. You're so successful. You obviously have a lot of resources. And you just, like, can't go outside. I yeah. mean, and
2: he talks about this in this story. I, I think it is legitimately exhausting in some ways, that feeling of constantly being watched and, and monitored and not everybody around you you can trust their intentions, like, at yeah. all. And I think a solution to that, especially when you're, like, 50, 55, um, as he is, That's you just kind of... You, yeah. you, you got to find a way to live that doesn't involve, you know, being chased by hordes of people every day.
1: Yeah, but he compares... He brings up Leo in the piece, right? And he, he uses that metaphor of being like the gazelle on the plane when yeah, he's talking about fame. And the,
2: you know there are tigers in the bushes.
1: Right. And he talks about— Which,
2: by the way, recently um, by Will Welch, the editor of GQ, we were texting today. Apparently someone uh, contacted him. There are no tigers on the same planes as gazelles. So okay. Brad has been like for 10 years <laughs> using this metaphor— but it's not ecologically correct. Okay. So, Brad, if you're listening... Brad, you
0: went on the wrong safari, man.
2: Yeah, exactly. That that safari wasn't real, and we have to figure out who the natural predator of the gazelle is. Okay. Because it's not a tiger.
0: All right. This also reminds me of on the Bill Simmons podcast with Matt Damon. Matt Damon talks about the Ocean's Eleven Press Tour, how they would use Brad Pitt as a decoy when they were in Europe. <laughs> Him and George Clooney would, like, send Brad Pitt into a crowd so then they could, like, sneak out in the other direction, essentially.
1: Yeah, it seems like... Even for him, it's just an excess level of fame. Like, you still see Leonardo DiCaprio doing dumb shit in New York, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, playing volleyball and looking on his phone. And he goes out in the world for But Leo hasn't
2: had, like, two spectacular, yeah. no, know. you know, relationships blow up in public with, with also very famous women. He also know? probably— and I, I You guys would know they count better than I would.
0: Brad Pitt? Well, the, the famous relationship I don't relationship think we're kind of counting Gwyneth as, like, a spectacular yeah. Yeah. blow That's, up. It's yeah. just young love. I think yeah. also their relationship has just become way more— Discussed since the Harvey Weinstein stuff because he's that their relationship was like part of kind of that narrative. But I think Leo just also likes it more. Like, I think he likes his yeah. attention more. Yeah. You have to like it to be photographed the way that he is so frequently. And, yeah. and like, kind of Leo seems like more of a prank guy.
2: Yeah. And doesn't have children that we're aware of. And, you know,
0: that's true. That we're aware
1: that of. We're aware Incredible. Of. I mean, um, that's the male perspective. Totally.
0: Wait. So I keep derailing us from hearing about the photo shoot. So, you get to the photo shoot and what was that like? And were you also interviewing him like in between photos? Yes.
2: Yeah, so the interview took place in a pool house on the property, sort of uh, like in the middle of all this. But, it, so when I got there, they, they were shooting him and great photographer Lachlan Bailey, shout out him, shout out George Cantina, the, the stylist of the shoot um, who is relevant Oof, to this top story. Top work. Yeah. Um, because when I get there, they're setting up this shot that's in the the finished story, uh, he's playing ping pong. Mm-hmm. And the the notion of the shot is George Cortina would strip down. He's like, the shirtless is very hot that day. And he would play ping pong with Brad and uh, Lachlan would shoot over George's shoulder. So just to kind of get Brad playing ping pong. And um, they're playing and, and uh, the photographer's shooting away. And I start to hear this like muffled, like, you know, like when a crowd gets really excited, and there's just that like low hum, and, mm-hmm. and it's like kind of getting louder. It's and like a, a tennis rally. Yeah, it's a exactly. Particular sound and in our household, but yeah. What What's happening is clustered around the monitors is, is is Will Welch, who I mentioned, Dana Matthews, who who books for GQ, wonderful entertainment editor that we have, and all these sort of like hard bitten, super experienced. Magazine editors who do this monthly, like, we, we have a cover every month. We have all these inside fashion shoots. This is, like, very routine for everyone, except everyone's just, like, losing their minds. And the reason everyone's losing their minds is because every frame of Brad Pitt playing ping-pong, even as he's, like, lunging for balls and his, you know, like, he's, like, diving and and he's really playing, except every shot, and this is, like, frame, like, you know, dozens of frames a second whatever, every shot is perfect. <laughs> It's just like they can't find a frame where Brad Pitt doesn't look amazing. It's like if I were playing any kind of sport and you photographed me, I would look insane. And he just looked amazing. And and all these people who do this all the time were like, "I can't! I can't! I can't believe this is real! I can't! I can't!" And everybody's just pointing at the monitor and pointing at the monitor. So that's what it's like to to photograph Brad Pitt. Um, apparently,
0: I, I noticed. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I'm not a huge man's fashion expert, but I did, I think, notice that a lot of what Brad Pitt was wearing was not quite as high-end as some of the other photo shoots. Like, he was wearing a significant number of pieces that were, like, under $500. Is that just because he looks great in everything, or is that just sort of, like, this is how they want to style him?
2: I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think that, um, yes, Brad Pitt looks good in anything. But I also think that 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 is, like, part of the interesting and fun and— cool thing about doing that styling is figuring out, you know, what, what pair of, you know, what reasonably priced sweater or whatever goes with X and Y and Z. And, and, um, obviously on him, it all looks great.
1: Truly. I want to ask some questions about being in a pool house alone with Brad Pitt. Like did the security leave for that?
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's just the two of us.
1: So how distracting is Brad Pitt like physically in person?
2: Um, I mean, to the photo anecdote that I just told, I will say I also uh, do this a lot. I'm around a fair amount of folks who are well known for one thing or another, and it is a little bit different with him. I like I won't lie. There's a kind of aura and a vibe around him that is pretty singular. You you like you start to understand like the difference between like Brad Pitt and I'm trying to figure out what star that I'm going to half insult. Like Mark Ruffalo or something. Who would also be (laughs) no no shots at Mark Ruffalo but like Mark Ruffalo would also be noticed as he walked down the street. But it's just so, so different Mm -hmm. being around someone like that than being around Brad Pitt. And you start to realize why you really do only have a handful of these really generational stars. And those qualities are real. That Obviously there's some degree of accident and coincidence that makes these people who they are. But some of it is just like you have that that quality or you don't. And I think especially with him, 55 and he's he's been sort of so famous for so long. He's like settled into it in a really fascinating way where he's really comfortable and really at ease, but the magnetism just kind of stays on. So when you're in a room with him, it is initially Again, I'm like I consider myself a professional. I don't really care one way or another, but it's a little distracting. Like, like at the at, at the beginning, you know. And also, someone at that age, uh, you know, I'm I'm in my 30s, so effectively, I've been watching that guy on screen most of my life. Um, mm-hmm. It's always a little weird when you talk to folks like that because you're like, wow, I, I'm really like can remember, you know, 90 whatever X movie or Y movie.
0: What's your favorite Brad Pitt performance?
2: Oh, um, probably Inglourious Bastards*.
0: It's really good. Just a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal movie.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I would actually say Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is like way, way up there for Steals me. The and, movie. In part because of the, the quality that, that we're talking about of that aging into it. There's a actually Ringer famous, Quentin Tarantino, Paul Thomas Anderson Directors oh, yeah. Guild of America This
1: is the inspiration podcast. for Chris Ryan's character, Fab PTA, yeah. Yeah. which you can catch on the big yeah. picture. So
2: the best thing that came out of that was Fab PTA. But the second best thing I thought was PTA sort of talking about Brad Pitt's star quality as he sort of... Got a little older and have lived a little bit more, and how it's how it's changed. By the way, Quentin Tarantino says the same thing on the podcast that when you when you look at Brad Pitt through the viewfinder of your camera, it looks like you're already watching the movie. Um, so it's not it's not just us that think that, but I think once upon a time in Hollywood benefits from that sort of like older, wearier, kind of more lived-in Brad Pitt. That is like a a phase. Um, and I think Ad Astra, which is, is uh, coming out shortly, I think it's excellent. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I really like it.
1: Cool. It's a If you're interested in Brad Pitt as a celebrity, well, no, I mean, everyone here is interested in Brad Pitt. If you're listening to this, you're interested in Brad, Brad Pitt. But like the idea of fame and is particularly like the last couple of years that he's been through. Yeah. It's pretty fascinating. There were some scenes where I was watching it and I was just like... I have never seen, like, this vulnerable side of Brad Pitt before. Yeah. And you, like, really feel like you're watching something that is from his real life, so. Cool.
2: Yeah, and it, it would be irresponsible to over-speculate about this, but the timing of right. Ed Astra is it's the first movie he does after the Angelina stuff.
0: It was shot in 2016, right? Like, yeah. shortly after yeah. he, they broke up. Yeah. Or it was at least public they broke yeah. up. I don't know the timing. Yeah.
2: And it's a movie that's all about, like, Isolation and loneliness and is it possible to really connect to another person and and what is it to be vulnerable and, and have we chased things outside of ourselves to have not so as not to have to confront things that are happening inside ourselves? I mean, the themes are very, very resonant with stuff that, that seemed like was happening in his life
0: sure. at the time. Sure. How exciting. I can't wait to see it. I'm just a regular person, so I have to wait until September 20-something. You're not,
1: 20-something for you're not a regular person. It's this Friday. I it's think September 20th. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What great kind of timing. All of this press That's for Brad why he's Pitt. literally been on like the NFL broadcast. Like right. He's doing NFL promos. He was like talking to an astronaut today in space. Oh, my God. Is it hard to get him to do this stuff,
0: or is he just like a professional who gets it? Like I get to have the life that I want because I will sell this movie for you.
2: Well, I think that he doesn't do much anymore. He really doesn't act a ton. If you think about the last few years, it's it's very few things.
0: He's been in, like in the last like six years, he's been in Ad Astra, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, 12 Years
1: a Slave.
2: Which he's barely in. Barely in.
1: War Machine, also-
2: the Netflix movie. Oh,
1: right. I think I tried to watch that and failed. Allied, the infamous Marion Cotillard, right. which is the
0: single worst Brad Pitt performance I've ever seen. Didn't see. It. I bet he like didn't like her.
1: It was also, yeah, it was, like, in the midst of the Angie divorce right. stuff, and he's just very wooden and walking through it like he's not really there. Interesting. It's, it's, a, it's sad in retrospect.
2: But so I think his solution to not doing too much is just to not—
1: He doesn't even attend the Oscars. —do
2: too much, yeah. And I think that— um,
0: That's to my chagrin. But
2: with that, Astra, not only see the star, but also his production company, Plan B, produced it just like they did with 12 Years a Slave. And he talked about this in the story— If he's producing it, and he's the lead actor in it, and he's also very close friends with the director, James Gray, they are very collaborative in terms of working on the the script and and making the movie come to life. I think in that case, he's really all in. And he will go on Fox NFL Sunday to be like, go Saints, um, if it helps the movie. But I think in general, he doesn't do that. And because he's not willing to do that, he just won't do movies. You know, he'll just like, I'll sculpt or listen to Frank Ocean or whatever.
0: Right. Let's talk about some of his quotes and what he does in his free time. But first, let's talk about hazelnut M&M's. Watching a movie or a TV show is nothing without a bag of your favorite treats. And by the way, I almost thought about popping one open to eat while doing this podcast, but I'm worried that I have a cavity, so I decided not to. Take your treats to the next level with the new M&M's Hazelnut Spread Chocolate Candies. They're a delicious combo of hazelnut spread and milk chocolate in every bite-sized piece. One of my favorite snacks. Bought them in the airport on Sunday they deliver a side of indulgence that's all its own. Go hazelnutty and try the new M&M's hazelnut spread chocolate candies today. There's some real dynamite quotes from Brad Pitt in here. There's just also like one, I think like, there's several big ideas, but there was one that I wanted to ask you guys about. Ask him. I'm just here. He noted that he felt his celebrity was getting in the way of him living a full life, which was then getting in the way of him being a good actor. And... I feel like that is in some ways really universal. Like, a lot of people feel they struggle with work-life balance and they can't, like, love one if they overload on the other, whatever, whatever. But, like, is it really necessary for Brad Pitt to have a full life to be a good actor?
2: I mean, according to him, it is. You know, I I think that his point was you can be very ambitious. And like you said, I think we all relate to this. You can be very ambitious when you're young and chase roles, right, in his case. Mm And I think his point was, you actually just become a better actor if you live and you have more right. experience to draw upon. And I, I think that's true. There's a there's a scene in at Astra where he, he kind of really loses it. It's, it's a pretty amazing, like, on-screen Brad Pitt breakdown. And I think that that's, like, very informed by stuff that happened to him. And he talks in the piece about how it's not, like, method acting because he's not walking around in character, but... When he's like on screen portraying stuff, he's generally accessing things that really happened to him. Mm-hmm. And so I think his point was generally like, you got to let some things actually happen to you if you want to portray them authentically on screen. And, and by the way, I think he's kind of right. He's always been a good actor, but I think my personal feeling is he's a much better actor now than he used to be. Yeah,
1: absolutely. He locks in kind of post-Ocean's 11, like mid-2000s.
0: I just love Rusty so much.
1: I do too. That's my favorite Brad Pitt.
0: But right, I just love him in that role. And that, and you talk about this, the shift that, and he talked about it too, where he goes from leading man to character actor. And I feel like that's like where it happens.
2: Yeah, exactly. And, and like as a leading man, it's it's hard to do all the things that he does well. That sort of sly charisma, the sense of humor. You know, the, the jokes. The, Is it,
0: does he have a sense of humor in person? Does that come through?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He. Uh, he, he was very funny. He, um, oh my God. <laughs> well, there, I, this is in the story, but it, it was like an amazing moment where he was in his chair and he was leaning back. And he basically fell over, it mm. like tipped, tipped backwards. He just caught himself. Um, and I was like, Well, you know, you're, you're an interviewer trying to make your subject at ease. I'm like, We well, could just switch. I was on a much more comfortable chair. And he's like, He's like, yeah, you fall over. You know, <laughs> he's like, He's like very, he's very, um, very charming, I think.
0: Do you think he's aware of how
1: charming he is? Yes. Yes,
2: of course Uh, he is.
1: I was going to ask. I definitely could never be in a room with him. I think I'd melt. No, I know. I I agree with that. Is it easy to get him to answer questions?
2: Yes and no. Um, He's very practiced at this. And I think that he has learned how to answer questions in a way that is honest and genuine, but is not going to end up on the front page of newspapers all around the world. And that is, again, just born of experience. You know, if you're Brad Pitt, you've learned to to hear what a quote that ends up on the front page of the post sounds like. And you just learned how to talk around that sentence. So there would be moments where I would ask him a question and he would be like, exactly that. Completely. I think that's exactly right. And I don't think he was like lying, but I think he was like, cool, you said that. And I will agree with it. But well, you will not get that formulation from me.
1: So what do you do to get around that?
2: Uh, you know, I I think that a couple of things. I think I always kind of look when I interview someone how they're most comfortable talking. It's just like you can kind of tell people respond differently to different kinds of questions. And with him, and I think this has always been true, he likes to live in a slightly abstract realm. You know, he's like very intellectually curious. So... If you want to talk to him about his divorce, I think he's not really going to talk to you about that with good reason. But if you want to talk to him about, man, um, have you struggled to connect with people, you know, and how have you learned to be a little bit more open to seeing your own flaws? He'll have that conversation and he'll talk about how men are and he'll talk about how you have to go through bad things to learn about it. And I think it's less of a dodge than it's more like the register that he's comfortable having the conversation. in. And if you can kind of create that space, and I think you see it in an interview, he's pretty game to talk. Mm -hmm. He's just not going to use proper nouns or people's names.
0: Yes. On that note, who do you think is the friend obsessed with watches? Could it be John Mayer?
2: (laughs) Oh, I mean, the funny thing is that such a rich guy— that's like thing? such yeah, a know. rich guy pursuit that it's like, you, you could literally, it could, be anyone. it could be 25 people. But
0: like, this leads to who are Brad Pitt's friends? Because he mentions Leonardo DiCaprio, Christian Bale, Tom Hardy. I'm like, that's it?
1: Yeah, though, I don't think any of those, those people are, are his friends,
0: friends right? right? It doesn't make him and Leo probably, they probably had a good time together on doing he, press
1: and such for Yeah, time. I would think so. There's a chemistry in that, in that movie that you kind of can't fake. But they, they seem to have different modes of life. Totally.
0: And also, I would just say that it's not fair and not actually accurate. But as a result of Brad Pitt's stunning performance, I just think of Leonardo DiCaprio as like a total loser. Like, I'm just like, that guy is just a total level below. And he just seems so much younger. He lacks the grace and the gravity of Brad Pitt. And I just, I can't unsee it. It's like he has ruined Leonardo DiCaprio for me, who I, I quite like.
1: I mean, I agree with this, though. I have to say that it it was always a a Brad Pitt household in my heart. And then the the head-to-head, I do think Brad comes away.
0: It's just sort of like they flipped. Like, young Leo was so charming. Like, Mm -hmm. Jack Dawson, Leo, and even, like, Marvin's Room, Leo. Like, that's, like, a charming 20-something-year-old. Romeo and Juliet, for sure. uh, yeah. Yeah, and now he's just sort of, like, he plays these, like, obsessive and sort of, like, uh, just like unappealing people closed in movies. off yeah charmless I think the last time I found him like really like sympathetic and charming was um, catch me if you can and that's a while ago
2: I think he's great in Once Upon a Time
0: he, I'm not saying he's and bad no, he's fantastic he's wonderful great actor but I'm just saying like he's he They've just gone in sort of like crisscrossing paths where I feel like Brad Pitt inhabits the space where he's just so likable regardless of how offensive his character may be or or whatever position he's put in. Whereas Leo, I feel like he doesn't play characters where you're like drawn to them. You're more like repelled by
1: them. Brad Pitt is at ease now. And yeah. he's kind of always been at ease. But when he's 20 and looks like he does in Thelma and Louise, it's kind of like airhead Brad Pitt. And now he's just a really cool, stunningly handsome old guy. He's not even old. It's crazy that he's 55 because he doesn't look it, but who has the wisdom of the world and experience and is imparting that.
2: Yeah, and I also think it's worth mentioning that Leo was basically a child star. And I think that that, talking about being closed off, I think there is something about becoming famous at that age that has sort of lifelong repercussions. And even though, like you say, Brad kind of starts appearing on screen when he's relatively young, it came slightly more slowly for him. And I think that's always an opportunity to form a little bit of a personality outside of your public-facing persona. And Leo never really got that chance, and you can kind of see it.
0: Yeah. And also, it seems like Brad Pitt, and George Clooney has kind of done this too, although he's just such a different personality, they both really like to play up how they're from um like the Ozarks for Brad Pitt and Kentucky for George Clooney and it's like okay you you might be but like <laughs> that is a choice and a persona to choose to be like i'm pioneer stock from the Ozarks
1: yeah he which, definitely said Ozark multiple
0: times
2: in the interview sure yeah. sure yeah
0: is it because he just watched Ozarks on Netflix like what is
2: it, i mean i think probably in part because the ad Astra character which is like a an astronaut who's not in touch with his feelings is a very sort of Ozark's Uh character, it's like, it's guys that he grew up around. It's his father. You know, that's like what he has in mind when he's doing it.
1: Ad Astra is about fathers and sons. Oh, great. Just, yeah. Side note, did you
0: uh, catch the coverage of, I believe it's Maddox, who is in university in Seoul right now? Yes. Who basically said that he hasn't spoken to Brad Pitt since the alleged incident on the plane and that they just like don't have a relationship, which is sad. It is pretty sad. Yeah. I mean, that's his son. It seems like it's a legal arrangement, much yeah, like you two. Yeah, it seems like some of that is
1: bubbling through this interview as well.
2: I think very much so, right. yeah.
0: Did he get uncomfortable? Well, not did he get uncomfortable. What was the reaction like when you got close to his personal life?
2: Um, He wasn't uncomfortable, no. I would say, that he, he, ever? I would say that he was pretty at ease. I, th- I think that um, whenever someone's sort of like, I can't believe you asked that question, I, I always kind of feel like, well, you're like a grown man or a woman. You know, it's like I'm kind of entitled to ask whatever I want. You're also entitled to literally do whatever you want in response. And I think that he understands that really well and and is kind of like I'm engaged with the question in a way that I feel comfortable with. Um, and I won't sort of blame you for asking. But, you know, to be fair also, like I, I, I don't know what would have happened if I just asked 15 questions about, you know, whether he was talking to his son or not. You know, that didn't really, wasn't really on my agenda. I don't think that would have been fair. But <laughs> It would
1: have been on mine, so I admire um, that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to some point, do you have to craft the questions with a understanding of what you're going to, like, there's a strategy involved to this as well, right?
2: Correct. And I think there's, like, a, and I would make a distinction between, I think there's sometimes people who are afraid to ask people stuff that they're not going to like. I literally don't. Care about that. In fact, I think that um, plenty of interview subjects are more interesting when they're kind of answering questions that they hate because they're sure. like revealing themselves a little bit more than they would be if they're sort just of like sort the of, loss
0: of composure speaks to what yeah, they are outside of this, exactly like, you curated start to environment. See who they
2: really are, you know, and and you know, and and then in this in the story it can be really illuminating because you really can just print the question and answer and that question the answer and you can totally see the dynamic and and what they're like, yeah, but. Like, that doesn't work for everybody. And if you go back and do what I do, which is just, like, read everything that someone's ever done, in Brad's case, there have been people who tried that strategy. There's a fascinating Chris Heath interview with him um, in Rolling Stone in the 90s -hmm. that I recommend people to check out because it's, like, a great time capsule. But it's fascinating to watch Chris sort of, like, batter away, but it doesn't work. All respect to Chris. I mean, it works for the story, but it's not like Brad really ever ends up being that illuminating. So for him, just off the homework, it seemed like create a slightly abstract space and, like, let's talk. And and I think he, he was very comfortable in that space and, and responded.
0: I've noticed that in at least two interviews, he's said— I wonder or I'm curious about the future of film. And it's like, okay, Brad Pitt, so are all of we, <laughs> But, like, what do you think he— Why does he say that? Like, well, what does that mean, coming from Brad Pitt? Because, like, obviously when, when, Amanda, you discussed it on The Big Picture, like the future of studios and, like, going to the movies, like, there's a particular professional interest. Right. Like, for Brad Pitt, like, what does that mean? Fi- he
1: also has a financial sure. interest, which I I think it's a very charming part in, the, in your profile when— He's like, I guess that answer doesn't reflect my fiduciary interest in the movie. <laughs> but he's a producer yeah. and as well as being an actor. I mean, it's like he makes his like two types of livelihood off movies, I guess. I think
2: he's also like a genuine film nerd. Mm. He just like loves movies. Um if you, t- if you talk to people who work at plan B with him, like Jeremy Kleiner, Didi Dee Dee Gardner.
0: Yeah, I wanted to hear um, what they what like what they were like and talking about. They're
2: him. they're like like Jeremy's like Brad's like a film nerd. He like sees movies that uh, that even I don't see. Um, Where's the podcast then? I think that's.
1: <laughs> Does he listen to podcasts? I think, no way. Well, during the Once Upon a Time press tour, Leo was talking about all the old like film podcasts that he listens to. So Leo listens to podcasts. Like what? I mean, he didn't give specifics because he's oh. Leo and he's boring. Like, like he, he must remember this. I assume so, but Dang, I don't know. Dan
2: Quentin shout out Big Picture.
1: Yeah, Quentin. Yeah, day. he did, and he was also on the big picture. But I like Leo was sitting there being like dorky film nerd. I listen to old podcasts. But does Brad Pitt listen to podcasts? Does Brad Pitt have AirPods? Does Brad Pitt look at Instagram? Is one thing that I was wondering. No. Has he ever seen it?
0: I think that Brad Pitt is like so he's so pre Instagram that he's post. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. there's no you can't filter Brad Pitt. Right. You know, you just shoot Brad Pitt as as you said. Like but like. But yeah, does he like? How does he engage with culture outside of watching movies at home? Does he walk around his his cloistered existence with AirPods in?
2: Well, I think that probably he has access to a lot of incredibly creative people in any number of fields. I who probably nicer headphones. Uh, yeah, I mean, prob- <laughs> probably those too. But uh, I suspect that he's like not short on like recommendations or conversation about about you know movies or art or whatever.
0: My favorite Brad Pitt rumor slash story of of recent memory is him dating the
1: MIT professor. I just love that. Because they're both really into design? Yeah,
0: and just because, to your point about him being intellectually curious, like, it seems like he just goes to what, for a normal person, would be a great length to, like, seek out someone to personally teach him about a topic. It's just sort of like, I've got all the time and all of the resources in the world. Please teach me about architecture. Please teach me about physics. Like,
1: whatever. One related observation. Remember when the wonderful story about Brad Pitt, like, with his sculptor friend in Frogtown? So... Instead of going to the Oscars. Yes. Right. Well, so the sculpting is in your piece. And then also there is a James Gray, who's the director of Ad Astra Profile in the New Yorker this week. And I believe that Thomas Oswego is also in the in that profile, which is just to say that, like, Brad loves sculpting and he's committed to that and he's committed to that friendship and learning about it over years now.
0: It That really tracks with how he presents himself in your profile, Zach, like, as, like, a man of the Ozarks who, like, wants to use his hand to, like, make stuff but is also, like, now artsy and famous and staying inside.
2: I mean, also, this is, like, a podcast about celebrity and celebrity culture. And and one thing I think is very true about being a celebrity is there are probably more downsides than people recognize. But one of the unquestioned upsides is, is if you're into anything, you can get the most qualified people, the most talented people to to talk to you about it. And I'm always think it's better when people who are in Brad Pitt's position, like go to those folks and talk to them than the people who are like, I could talk to anyone in the world, and I'm looking at Instagram all day. Like, I'm kind of like, you are in a very unique position and have access to things that many, many people don't. And instead, you're just like, man, how many likes did, did my recent photo get? It's
1: true. That's really a life lesson. That's for anyone, famous or Absolutely. not. Question about the sculpting
0: situation and his sculptor friend. Yes. Do you think, much like with Meghan Markle, there's, like, a list of approved tidbits and topics you can reveal about Brad Pitt? Or is he just so into it that it's, like, the dominant thing? Like, it would be, like, Juliet's just only talking about La alone coffee right now. It's the only thing she's interested in. Or is this, like, calculated?
2: I think it's probably pretty calculated. You know, I mean I think that I think look, friends tend to be protective of friends in general. I think if that they're good friends. If I were like interviewing Amanda about you for a story, I don't think she'd be like, Let me let me tell you the worst thing that Juliet ever <laughs> did to me. I don't like I don't think that would come. There's no you. thing.
1: That's not what it That's would really be. Nice. It would just be about her snack preferences, which are very Weird. strange. But I we w- support you. I wouldn't hold it against you, okay. you know, just be honest. I, I do not
2: think do there's that. like a formal circulated list of forbidden topics, but I think people kind of Kind of know what they can and can't say.
0: Also, I guess if something's already out there, there's not a lot of harm in like embellishing what's already known.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like if you, if you like, also, it's I, not like you I, can
0: like break into the sculpture studio or whatever.
2: Right. Right. And like, you know, I think that people around him are not hesitant to say, for instance, that Ed Astra has a connection to the stuff that was going on in his life when he made it. Right. And, none
1: of them use specifics either. Right. I'm more curious about the vetting process of being in Brad Pitt's life in general. Like, how do you get into the inner circle that you're allowed to be in the house or be his sculptor friend? Because there is clearly, I mean, there are security guards. And there is also clearly coordination in terms of what people will and won't say, which which is not at all surprising. And it's, like, definitely how anyone that famous would go about their lives. But I just want to know, like, how do you get how do you get to meet Brad Pitt? What I'm really asking is how does Brad Pitt date? I just, I want to know. Because it's, it, like, he is. I think Brad Pitt chooses you. I think. Sure, but how? How does he meet you? Because he doesn't go out into the world. That's why he
0: has to date this MIT professor who doubles as, like, a tutor.
1: Okay, but how did he
0: meet her? And how did he vet her? Probably someone recommended it. Like, probably someone knows her and was like, okay. you should So it's all friends this. of friends. Yeah, it's not like the athlete method of DMing someone who they just think is Well, cute I would hope so. Athlete slash aspiring reality TV star. Right. But they both do that. But so
1: there's just like a tier of trust levels. Do you think there like there's like an interview process? There's probably like certain dinner party
0: invitations that Brad Pitt accepts, and I feel like they are I mean, Zach, interject here. You might have actual information, but
2: I, I, but mean, I feel no like- comment. Basically, but um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is this is not reflected in any reporting that I've done or know for a fact. But I actually do think that you're right. I, th- I think the vetting is like, well, do you already know David Fincher well enough to go to a dinner party that? Brad Pitt right. will already be at. And and that is its own kind of vetting, you know, which is like David Fincher needs to be able to trust people too. So if he's made a relationship or whatever and that he invites, right. for instance, a, a woman, totally speculating here, then I think in some level some of the vetting has already been mm-hmm. accomplished before so- he even got there. And it's not like the security is doing it. It's just sort of like if you're going to invite – if you're Fincher and you're going to invite someone to dinner – where Brad's also going to be there, you you probably already know, like, who's on the safe list and who right. isn't. And I think a lot of people in his life probably play that role. But think, again, I'm just yeah. guessing here.
0: Same. I, I think uh, the world gets small. Yeah. You have access to everything, and yet the world is very small. I
1: think also date is a euphemism here. I, it does not seem to me like Brad Pitt is, like, in looking for a long-term... Relationship at this point in his life,
0: I I can't imagine anything Julian's I would enjoy right now. <laughs> enjoy
1: more than
0: being like requisitioned by Brad Pitt and being like, just come over for an evening of art and wine. He probably has this the most incredible liquor collection, and probably just like wants to show off new art things that he's purchased and like learned about. And
2: I'm literally blushing right now. <laughs>
0: and then, doesn't it sound great? You are, you are <laughs> blushing. Why? It's like we're all. Adults. And then you, and then you know, you have sex with Brad Pitt. Right. And then you just have kids live the rest of your life. Do you know you have to sign an NDA?
1: Yes. Okay. I think you do. Do you guys
2: think you've ever gone through a Brad Pitt segment on jam session without speculating what it would be like to have sex with him?
1: I was just asking about his sex life, you know, which is different than me being in the picture. I bet it's robust. Like I'm sure it's Sure, but let's just talk that's it's so hard to keep something that secret and we don't know anything about it. I know. He's figured it out. It's that's incredible. (laughs) It's really, like—I mean, privacy and secrecy is really, like, the ultimate, like, privilege at this point. That he can keep it this locked down is remarkable. Well, he's got the Mossad on his side. Okay. I guess so. (laughs) Zach is still blushing. Is there anything that didn't make it in the piece or anything that you observed that you can share since all the—everything we just talked about was speculation? But anything charming? Anything? Any details?
2: Um— You know, not particularly, no. I think that it was was just sort of cool to see him work. It's interesting when everyone's looking at you all the time, Mm -hmm. I think. And even, again, in in this context where people are probably pretty used to being around celebrities of one kind or another, I noticed that kind of every head from craft services to probably my own— with generally looking at him no matter where he was on the property and what he was doing. And I think that must be very crazy, but I also think that I've never seen anybody so comfortable with that, where he was just like, yeah, you're looking at me and it's fine.
1: Amazing. And that is why he's our best-looking celebrity. I thought that was a really good answer, but I was actually trying to set you up for the email anecdote. So can you share that?
2: Oh, yeah. So uh, this is about fact-checking. So at GQ, of course, we check our stories. And with people like... Brad Pitt. You generally, the fact checkers go through intermediaries. It's not like they they call.
0: Not a Shelby foot situation.
2: Yeah, they don't call directly. But uh, in this case, uh, even though I, I think the questions went um, to somebody that was not Brad, he answered them personally. Wow! And it was it was not busy, Brad Pitt. Uh, yeah, it was it was but it was incredibly endearing. At one point, I had. Um, I quoted a line from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is like my favorite line, where he and Lee are.
0: I can't imagine it was hard to pick because no one speaks in that movie.
2: Yeah, well, they're like watching that. <laughs> it's fair. Um, they're watching. I think he's like FBI, and he jumps out of a truck like holding a gun, and uh, Brad says that's a smooth leap. But uh, what he actually said, as he corrected me in the email, he was like, "Actually, the line is that was a smooth leap." He like remembered the line. And then the other thing I really loved about that was I'd said in the story that um, Brad's sort of first Quentin Tarantino role was Inglourious Bastards. And he was like, true. He's like, but I had a small part in his screenplay he wrote called True Romance, which was just like a great and humble way of relating something that like Incredible. I, we all know. But but uh, just a, like a very, very like chill very earnest way of dealing with the process that I appreciated and found quite endearing.
0: Well, I love Brad Pitt more than ever. Thank you so much, Zach.
2: Thank you, guys.
1: (laughs) Uh, We'll be back next week. Potentially less giggly. I don't know. Eh, It's all right. It's a good vibe. It's You know what? It's the year of Brad Pitt, so we're just going to coast on it. I'm loving it. Uh, Thanks so much to Hazelnut M&Ms, and we'll be back next week.